behind the bench. Oh, yeah. On either side, there's one up here.
remain standing this morning for scripture and prayer this morning. Praise the Lord. That should be all our prayers. Colossians 2, looking at verses 6 and 7. Paul said, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Let us all pray and ask the Lord to touch us in the service today. Um, again, I'm glad to be in God's house. Let's pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, for your love and mercy. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, to be called children of God. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you will bless and touch this day, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that if there's any, Lord, that are lost, to be saved. Father, there's one, Lord, that might be struggling. I pray, pray, Lord, that they be delivered. Father, we just ask that you would have your way in a mighty way. And, Lord, we'd be careful to give you thanks and honor and glory for all that you do, Lord. Bless and touch every part of this service. Christ name we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated just for a moment uh, in the presence of the Lord. We're going to jump right into praise and worship here in just a second. Uh, but, um, you know, I often say around here we have so much to be thankful for, and we do. Um, but every so often, uh, there are times where, um, even as thankful as we are, uh, that there are still needs and things that are going on in the body of Christ. And um, uh, I had a couple of special requests that were brought to my attention uh, this morning. And, um, you know, normally I, I just have them pray, you know, and the, you know, Brother Marion or Brother Randy or whoever to do it. But this morning I kind of decided to do a little bit different because... Um, couple of the requests one of them was specifically asked to be prayed for um, and the other one the more I talked to them the more I just felt like uh, this needed to be done and I'm going to share those requests with you and then um, I'm going to ask those those individuals to come and we're going to pray for them uh, those that feel comfortable can come those that don't that's that's fine as well it's however you feel need but um, brother uh, brother Barnes is here this morning and uh, he's having a little bit of vertigo equilibrium issues and uh, normally he can take some medicine and that kind of fixes that but it's been going on since Monday and it's just not getting better it's just he's just struggling and um, he's uh, he came to my office this morning and, and Miss Ann helped him get into my office this morning and very rarely he might come by and ask me you know to, to pray you know about something but very rarely does he ever say pastor will you specifically anoint me and, and pray for me and he told me a story of uh, years ago when he was in the East Camden Church that they had given him a pretty uh, negative report about his heart and uh, he asked the doctor could he postpone the procedure for a week because Sister Barnes owned a beauty shop back then she needed to be out of town for a conference or, or, or to be out of town and the doctor said oh just go ahead and let her go but you wouldn't want her to come home to a dead husband you need to do this whether she's here or not so he went to church that Sunday and he told the church about it, and they prayed for him. And 
that Sunday night, the state overseer at the time was coming in to conduct a vote because they didn't have a church pastor. He was coming to do a vote that night. They told the state overseer about it, so he called Brother Barnes back up that night to pray for him again. They go Monday morning to the hospital to do the heart cath to see where all they needed to start the process for surgery. And, you know, they had him kind of sedated a little bit for all that. And he said he heard he, what he thought in his head. Somebody say, this heart looks okay. This heart looks fine. It looks perfect. But he's like, you know, he was under the influence. He wasn't sure, you know, whatever. When he came out of his anesthesia, he said that his daughter was standing there. And she said, Dad, go ahead and get your clothes. And he said, what do you mean? And she said, we're going home. And he said, why? What, what did they say? She said, Dad, they say you have a heart of a 20-year-old man. Amen. And he said, well, well, wait. The doctor tried to leave. He said, no, no, ma'am, you come on back inside. And he said, I know what y'all said. Y'all said I had to have this, that, and the other. And I've heard stories about scar tissue and stuff around the heart to let you know that there's been issues. Y'all were talking about how much scar tissue I had. She said, sir, there's not scar tissue. There's a, this heart don't even look like it's even been used. She said, it's a 20-year-old body. A 20-year-old man's type heart in your body. She said, I don't know what they want you to do, but there's no need for us to go in there and do that. And he's telling me that this morning, and he said, sitting in my office, he said, if God could do that years ago for me, Pastor, he can help my equilibrium and my brain and my ears get back to balance because whatever's going on up here, he said he can help me be able to walk and not have to worry about staggering around. And what he didn't know is just a couple I don't know, 30, 45 minutes prior to that conversation, I had a conversation with Miss Brenda in the back. Miss Brenda Frierson, who has been battling her own version of inner ear and pressure and pain. And they put her on two or three different steroids and antibiotics. She's on week three or so of that now. And it's just not getting better. They tried to even go in and, and take a, a procedure and go in and, and pu put a hole in the area where it was at and try to get it to come drain. And it still wouldn't budge. She's miserable. And Brother Barnes said to me this morning, Pastor, I want to be prayed for. I was like, Lord, that's two people today that are stuffed here and got stuff going on and just battling. And if God could 25 years ago or 30 years ago or however long it's been fix a heart overnight, Amen. I think he can unstop ears. Amen. He can unclog ears. He can restore balance. If he can change a whole heart, I'm pretty sure he knows how to help people walk straight again. And not be struggling. So, uh, I'm going to uh, ask those that are that are a part of our council that is able to help me to come uh, with me as well. Uh, Brother Marion and Brother Stan and Brother Randy. Most of you all should be here. They'll come with me uh, this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Barnes and I'm going to ask Miss Brenda if, if she will come this morning. And uh, and I'm not going to make all of us, all of you come uh, to the front if you want to stand and you want to uh, point your hands this way, so be it. But I am going to believe that we're going to pray today. The Bible says this word. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of men and women availeth much. In fact, the Bible said, if there be any sick among you, if there be any that need anything from the Lord, let them call on the elders, the body of Christ, to come together and pray for them. And when you lay hands on them, the effectual fervent prayers of men and women availeth much. The Bible said they can be healed. Now, you, you can think I'm crazy, don't know what I'm talking about. I don't, I, no, no, I'm not judging doctors. Don't get what I'm about to say. Start thinking, oh, pastor's been drinking that funny Kool-Aid stuff again. No, but I'm believing that even before Miss, Miss uh, Brenda gets finished up with her antibiotics, 
I believe those ears can come unclogged before that antibiotic even gets finished in her system. Now, you can say it was steroids. That's fine. You think whatever you want to. But I know God can, regardless of what method he uses, he can. And I also believe that Brother Barnes can drive all the way 44 miles one way. That should just tell a lot of us how much dedication some people have to going to church. They, you know, 80 plus years old, and they drive 44 miles one way. Some of us are in our 30s and can't drive five miles, but we'll leave that alone. Hello, preacher. But if he can drive all the way from Johns Island and get here and say, if I can just get to church, kind of like the one with issue blood, if I can just get to the hem of his garment, I know he's able. If he can get to here and God got him safely here, he don't have to drive back to Johns Island with vertigo. He can drive back to Johns Island feeling better than he did before he got to church this morning. Come on, somebody. Act like we believe what we say around here. Is there another one? Is there another one? Come here. Come here. Can you get me another one of those? Sickness? All right. The Bible also says, suffer the little children and let them come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible said, Jesus brought a bunch of kids around him and said, if you have faith as one of these and you trust him like one of these children's faith, not only can I make it right, but you can speak to mountains and tell them to move, be removed from here to yonder. We've got, a, we've got a child here this morning, got a headache, not feeling good. But I'm telling you, just like he can unstop here, he can heal children too. And you think I'm crazy, but we got a lot to be thankful for, but we can have a lot more to be thankful for because we know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend according to his riches in Christ Jesus. If you'll hand that to him, Brother Merritt, I'm going to give you this one right here, and I'll go right over here, and we're just going to pray for these together. You stretch your hands this way. We're going to pray for these requests. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit declares the Lord of hosts. God, I know you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which I can think or comprehend. God, I know you can unclog ears at the very mention. You were wounded for our transgression, and you were bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace was near upon you, and by our stripes, Lord, we can claim healing. I pray, God, whether you use antibiotics, do you unclog ears right now in the name of Jesus. Let there be relief in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for vertigo to subside right now. I pray for equilibrium to come back into these ears. Father, I pray that there be stamina and there would be the spirit of Caleb. Lord, the spirit of Caleb that says, even this mountain, Lord, I still could conquer. God, I'm praying that you'll let the balance go back into rhythm. You'll let the ears go back to in, into, into rhythm. God, you'll let everything go back. When he leaves this place, he can know that God is able. Father, I know you said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Father, he is such a life source to this church, and he is such a joy to be in church with us. And he brings so many smiles to people's faces, and he makes people just light up when he walks into the room. But God, today he's struggling. Today he's hurting with his headache. God, today he's not feeling good, but God, you are a healer. God, you are a deliverer. God, you are a sustainer of life. And God, I believe that on a shadow of a doubt, God, that you can heal his little body, and you can let him by the end of this day be able 
able to be back to his normal self and walk in the fear and the admonition of the Lord knowing that when he came to church he came feeling one way but when he left this place he left knowing there was a God who was able to do it and able to make it right God I'm praying for this the precious child to be made whole today God so whether it's ears whether it's vertigo whether it's childlike sickness whatever it is today we are decreeing and declaring by the word of the Lord that your word is forever settled in heaven you said you are a healer you said you are a deliverer you said you were wounded by your trans our transgressions and bruised by our iniquities but by the chastisement of our peace and your stripes we are made whole we declare healing over this body today we declare healing over every man woman boy or girl struggling today in Jesus mighty and precious name we pray and ask these things in the body of Christ together said amen and amen hallelujah hallelujah now I'm gonna ask you to do something that seems very uh, unusual can we go ahead and give God praise for doing it even before it gets done I don't know when it's going to get done, but can we just thank the Lord? Come on, we can do better than that. Lord, we magnify, we glorify, we lift up your name. You are, Lord, great and greatly to be praised. And we believe he's able to do it. Hallelujah. 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 Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you, if you can, to remain standing, if you don't mind. And let's go back into worship this morning. God bless you today. Amen. This next song we're going to sing to you this morning says, I am a friend of God. And that's what we want to declare today. We want to declare that we know God in such a powerful way that we can be intimate with the Lord and the Lord can look out for us. So let's worship the Lord this morning. Lord, we worship you today.
Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we worship you. I know this is going to be out of order, but we're going to go sing this old song. This is song most of you probably know. You probably heard it sang every year at Thanksgiving or around this time of the year. It's an old southern gospel song. Um, but I think it is so powerful when we listen to the words of what is written. I know it might have been written, you know, 1975, 76, somewhere in that window. But I know one thing's for certain. The words have never changed. God is still good. And we still have a lot to be thankful for today. So we want to worship the Lord this morning and sing this uh, together as a body of Christ. I know most of the time you probably heard this song as a special, but we want to sing it together. As a, as a song of worship to the Lord.
ever troubled Oh, all the hearts are mended. In the presence of the King. Let's just sing all the troubles vanish and your troubles vanish and hearts are mended. It's in the presence of the your hands lifted all over the house just as a moment of reverence unto the Lord can you take about 30 seconds before we get ready to break the bread of life and can you just tell the Lord how grateful you are to him for everything he's done for you maybe this week maybe just today maybe just this year can you just tell the Lord for just a few moments while you're in his presence how much you love him how much you love his presence how much you are thankful for his presence in your life father we worship you Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you that you are great and greatly to be praised. Father, we worship you in this moment. We know, Lord, in the solemn and secrecy of this moment, there's nothing more important than to spending time in the presence of the Lord. Lord, we thank you today, God, that we can experience your presence. God, you are a tangible God. You are a God we can feel. You are a God we can experience. God, you're not a God far off and disassociated from us and not near us. But God, you are a God that is just as close as the very mention of his name. Oh, Father, we thank you for that today. And we love you. We glorify your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and your hearts are mended. It's all in the presence, in the presence. We love the King. One more time, just like that, your troubles will vanish. Your troubles vanish. And your hearts are It's in the presence of the King. Can you just give the Lord the greatest ovation of praise you can today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Well, if I was like some evangelist and I was a singing preacher, I'd just keep singing. That's a good song, y'all. But being that I'm not a singing preacher, I'm not that good at it, I better stop before you decide that, man, he should have stuck to preaching instead of singing. But uh, thank you. Any, is everyone comfortable in here? Is it just me? Am I going through the stages of changes of life? Is it hot to anybody besides me? Oh, can we turn the air down a little bit? I know I'm not. I didn't think I've hit the midlife crisis yet, but... Uh, I'm beginning to feel it up here. I don't know if it's the Spirit of the Lord that's upon me to preach or it's just I'm fat. But one or the other, I need to fix that because it's hot up here just a little bit. But uh, it might still, we tried to knock the chill off a little bit this morning. 
And I think the you all got here and started worshiping the Lord and it got warm in here. Let me say to you, uh, parents, please don't forget to sign your ch- kids out of Children's Church. Those watching online, you can always download our church app to follow along with us or follow us on our church uh, uh, website, santycirclecog.org. Any services you miss, you can always subscribe to our Google and Apple podcast and hear any of those services. As always, there are multiple ways to give to the body of Christ and our ministry here in person uh, via mail, uh, the Tide.ly app, or you can do it online at the SantiCircleCOG.org. If you're in-house today, don't forget you can give in the wooden boxes, uh, offering boxes on the front, or there's one right out the back door as well. Let me make a mention of a very special day. It is this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. We're moving our Wednesday night service up to Tuesday night. We're opening it up to anybody who can make it. We're going to have a communion Thanksgiving service. There'll be some singing. There'll be a time of consecration and devotion. Uh, but we're just going to come together around the table of the Lord, and we're going to share in communion. And we're just going to we're just going to be thankful for about an hour. And uh, I'm only asking for an hour from seven to eight. I will have you out at eight on the dot for you to get home and do your thing. I'm not going to affect Turkey Day. I'm giving you an extra day to cook your Thanksgiving turkey and make sure Tom's stuffed and ready to go when you serve him on Thursday. But uh, but I told somebody this week, I think it would be a very sad day if we got so much more worried about the holiday rather than celebrating the God who we are to be thankful for. And, uh, and so I'm asking those who can to come. And most of you know that I am a... Uh, I don't want to say I'm a cynic in terms of, of, of negative. You know, you got, you, thank you to all, and I've said to most of you already last Sunday, and most of you I've contacted personally, but all of the gifts and what kind words you said last week uh, uh, for past appreciation, they meant so much to me and, and, and blessed my heart. Uh, and uh, I'm still loving my shirt that I'm the Hallmark Grinch, and I wear that with pride. Uh, I, don't even, I don't even hold back. I'm proud of that shirt. And, uh, but I, I have discovered something this week that if anybody decides the pastor needs anything for Christmas, put your money together and get me the following item. This is the greatest thing I've ever found. Wait your turn, fat boy. This is by far the greatest thing I have seen on planet Earth. Somebody sent that to me this week. Actually, about four people sent it. I don't know if they just had a kindred spirit with me or not. About four people sent me this week, and as soon as I opened it up, I thought, now that is something I can get behind. I like that. Uh, You know, I'm sure it offends somebody, but you know what? That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. That's just funny. And uh, if you happen to come next year at Christmas and see that at my house, don't be offended. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to put that out starting October (laughs) in my house so people can go ahead and get in the spirit of Christmas. Uh, So uh, that being said, Christmas is just around the corner We've got a new series called The Characters of Christmas. But I want to make mention of a couple things. The first one is all the kids, they're in the back, so they already know. But all you mamas and daddies, we're going to have a Christmas party for these young chillins of ours around here. Uh, on Saturday, December the 11th from 11 to 1, right here. You ain't got to take them off somewhere, off campus. Just come right here. They're going to have it out back or in this fellowship hall area. But they're going to have a time where they're going to teach your kids what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. Give them a bunch of sugar cookies and then say Merry Christmas and send them back to your house. So that's how much we love you. We, we get them all jacked up and then give them back to you for free. We love you that much. Uh, and so we're going to have that. Also, uh, we've had a very special generous donation uh, uh, from someone who wants to help us pull off a Christmas party. 
uh, on December the 11th at 5 p.m. for all us older folks, we're going to have our church Christmas party. And you don't have to stay the whole time. You can just drop in however you want to. We're just going to start at 5. We're going to have food, fellowships. We're going to have uh, music playing. But somebody has donated to us a bunch of fish. A bunch. And, um, you know, anytime somebody says, I want to fry for the Lord and it's food, I'm all about that. I like fried food. Uh, my doctor doesn't say it's good for me, but I don't really care. I don't like him anyway. So uh, that's why I don't go visit him but once a year. I, I'm not friends with him that often. But somebody asked, could they do that? And I said, sure. They had been blessed with uh, more than abundantly. And don't worry, we got more coming because uh, I just want to plug this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to Miss Brenda's house. I was visiting Ricky. And uh, Corey decided he was off that day. And uh, he decided he was going to go fishing for fish instead of for men. He was out there in the water. But he didn't sure invite none of us to go. I don't know how I felt about that. And I found out about it. And he was having an okay day. I called him on the phone, and fish were starting to jump in the boat, y'all. No doubt. He just, soon as, uh, Miss Brenda was there. Soon he put the line down here. I got another one. He put it down. I got another one. We were on the phone like five minutes. He catching more fishes. He's like, I should take you with me. I said, see, God's telling you something. Fish are coming to your boat right now. Big ones, good ones. I was like, you better take me or you're going to starve, buddy. You know? Uh, so, anyway. So, that being said, we're going to probably have a lot of fish fries over the next few uh, uh, days and months ahead. Because uh, I'm praying fish into people's boats, y'all. So that being said, we are asking if you plan on coming, two things. One, to just bring something. You can bring a Christmas dish. You can bring a cheese ball tray, whatever. But not everybody likes fish. We know that. We'll try to have something else like chicken or something. We're not necessarily asking you to have a big, like, mashed potatoes and gravy and cornbread and dressing kind of thing. But we just want it. You can stay for as long as you want. But I have missed just being together. I miss when we're not together. If you, even if you can't stay all the whole time, you can at least stop by, get a little bit of food, get it to go. And we're better than DoorDash. Just swing by. We'll give it to you for free and just hang out with us. But if you're able to come and stay, I've got a really cool game that I want to play with those that come. It can be anywhere from $5 to $10. It doesn't have to be anything major. If you don't want to spend $5, you can do something else. But bring it already wrapped. We're going to play a game called Chinese Christmas. It's a really fun game. However many people play, let's say there's 20 of you. I'll give you a number 1 to 20. We put it in a hat. And you draw your number out. Number one gets to go up and pick a gift first. Don't open it, though. When number two gets up, they have a choice. They can take your gift that's unopened, or they can go pick one off the table. When it's all said and done, number 20, whoever the last person is, has a choice of picking anybody else's gift that they have or taking the last one on the table. Now, once all that is said and done, everybody opens their gifts. I tried this one time with a bunch of old people. At a senior adult function one time. They cheat, y'all. I'm telling you, they cheat. They ripped part of the pack, the tags off and like was moving some of the uh, uh, gift bag paper, looking underneath it, so they could decide that if somebody took their gift, if they wanted to go get it back or steal somebody else's. They were looking at the gift before I told them to open it. They were cheating on it. So I decided I ain't letting people cheat no more. So, so you cannot open it to the last person. But all we're doing is we just, everybody will get get that has that brings one. We're just gonna kind of exchange that a little bit, just something fun. It can be. I've had people do as it, stuff as as funny as you know, pair of socks and false teeth. And y'all think I'm kidding? Somebody did actually wrap false teeth up one time uh, for that. I did give them back to the person they came from. Uh, I thought they might need them for their Christmas dinner. But, uh, but some people have done that. Other people have done, like, you know, chocolate-covered peanuts. Uh, don't do like the one lady that I knew. She got chocolate-covered peanuts. This is a true story. 
She got chocolate-covered peanuts. I went to visit her one time, and I noticed she had a, a tray of nuts that were sitting on her, on her, on her table. I didn't think nothing about it, and uh, I thought they were just normal, like, cashews. And uh, I said, oh, sister, I'm going to say her name. I said, oh, I said, uh, you must really like, uh, I was just eating one. Or she said, oh, Pastor, you can have some. I'm just eating them out the thing. And I said, oh, you must really like those, those kinds of, you know, assorted nuts and things like that. I said, I like those too. She said, oh, Pastor. She said, uh, those were chocolate covered. She said, but I can't eat it. They hurt my teeth. She said, so I just sucked the chocolate off and put them back in the bowl. That's the truth, y'all. Uh, I threw up when I got about a half mile up the road. I'm not going to lie. I just made myself throw up down the road. I was like, this, this is not of God. That's a, so please, if you get chocolate covered peanuts, do not suck the chocolate off and give me the peanuts back. Keep them. Don't ask me to eat them. But that being said, we're just, you can bring stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. We're still on our series, The Table, and I'm not going to keep you long this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to First uh, Samuel chapter 20, and I will finish this series next week, uh, this last installment of this series called The Table next week. And all this information that I just mentioned is already on the website. You can go and check that out. Once you have it, it's First Samuel chapter 20, verse 24. I'm going to have you stand for the reading of God's Word if you can. And just FYI, if somebody thinks it's funny and y'all bring me a, a, a package of, of chocolate-covered peanuts or pretzels or whatever for Christmas this year and the chocolate's missing, I'm going to be worried what's happened to those things. So y'all better make sure that it's not already been wrapped, I mean unwrapped already. Um, but First uh, Samuel chapter 20. So David hid himself in the field, and when the noon moon was come, the king sat down to eat meat at a table, of course. And the king sat upon his seat. As those other times, and upon the seat by the wall, and Jonathan arose, Abner sat by Saul's side. David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul spoke not a thing that day, for he thought something had befallen him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. Maybe he had something come up. Maybe he wasn't prepared to come to dinner. It came to pass on the morrow, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said unto his son Jonathan, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse, i.e. David, to meet neither yesterday or today. Why did he not come eat dinner with us? He's a part of our royal family. He plays music for me. He's one of my servants. Why is he not eating dinner with us like the rest of us? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked to leave of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said to me, let go, I pray thee. Our family hath sacrificed in the city. My brother, he hath commanded me to be there. And now I have found favor in thine eyes. Let me go, I pray and see my brother, therefore cometh not to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan first. And he said to him, Thou art a perverse and a rebellious son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Do you not know that I have chosen, that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse, thine own confusion, unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse, David, i.e., liveth upon the ground, you won't be the king, nor have a kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him to me so that today he will surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What did he do wrong? And Saul threw a javelin at his own son. Daddy's so mad. 
Daddy is so narcissistic. Daddy is so power hungry that anything. Now you got to remember Saul was anointed king at one point by the prophet Samuel. And the spirit of the Lord was on Saul at one point. In fact one time Saul's so mad he's going down to get mad at the prophets of God. And he walks into a church service happening. And the Bible said the spirit of the Lord hit him. And he began to speak and prophesy at church even though he was so mad. But he gets so mad at his own son, thinking that he's making an alliance with David, whom he feels is his enemy, that he throws a javelin at him to kill him. Jonathan knew that moment that it was determined of his father to kill David, whom Jonathan also already knew was established to be the next king, based on Samuel's reply. So Jonathan arose from the table in anger. He did not eat meat the second day of the month. For he was grieved for David because his father had done shame. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your unadulterated word of God. And speak what thus saith the word of the Lord. Father, I am praying that for the next few minutes, let me preach like a man from a different planet. That has been touched from a coal of the altars of heaven. And had these, clip, these lips of clay anointed to only speak what the word of the Lord has to say today. Open eyes, hearts, and ears. Let us not only be hearers, but doers of the word thereof. And let us leave this place challenged, changed, chastised if need be. Under the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, I want to preach on this idea. The missing seats at the table. The missing seats at the table. To understand this, a couple weeks ago, we, we started talking about the table of preparation. If you remember, we started in Psalms chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And we went through and we talked about he will prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. A couple weeks ago we were talking about that and how the shepherd would go out into the fields and he would make sure before the springtime that it was safe. He'd look for the pasture lands. He'd look for the right places for vegetation to protect the sheep. And we talked about how the Lord, this is the same David that we're talking about today, that wrote that the Lord will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Maybe he wrote that thinking in this moment about Saul. Maybe he wrote that thinking about his son Absalom that would try to overthrow his throne and how God would still keep David protected. But he wrote in such eloquent of words that even in the midst of the hardest days of our lives, God can still provide for us and help us be able to sustain life even in the presence of enemies. He'll take care of us. Then the next week, we began to talk about a table of provision. If you remember, we talked about last week, we talked about a lady by the name of Martha and Mary. And Martha, we talked about it probably was her home and she had a brother Lazarus and, and, and Mary was the one that sat at his feet and washed his feet with her tears, dried them with her hair. And how the Bible said Martha became cumbersome about many things. She was upset because the macaroni and cheese was burning and Mary wasn't helped setting the table and she got frustrated about it. And we talked about how Martha goes into Jesus and said, can you tell her to get up and help me? I'm drowning in here. And he tells Martha, you're worried about all the things that you don't need to be worried about. 
And I said to you last week, I said, don't be careful not to judge Martha too harshly because there's a lot of, you need just, while there's a lot of people that need to be at the feet of Jesus worshiping, sometimes while some people are worshiping, some people still got to carry on the work of the Lord. You can't just have everybody sitting down. Somebody's got to teach a Sunday school class. Come on, somebody, help the preacher preach today. Somebody's got to teach kids ministry. Somebody's got to do the nursery. Somebody's got to run the sound. Somebody's got to play the music. Somebody's got to sleep. Not everybody can just sit on the pew and be comfortable. Come on, somebody, act like we're Church of God here today. There's a lot of times it's great to sit and worship at the feet of Jesus, but the work still has to go. Jesus said, I don't only come, I need workers. I need people to go into the harvest field and help me. The harvest is, uh, the, the, the field are white unto harvest. The work is plenty. There's plenty to do, but the laborers are, yeah, a lot of people ain't getting up wanting to go get the grain. Hello? A lot of people are like, I like to eat. I just don't like to do the work to get there. There's a lot of people like to sit at the table and eat food. They just don't want to be the one to have to go cook the food. It's great to tell somebody, ooh, I love a good fried turkey. Oh, I love homemade mashed potatoes and gravy. Ooh, I love fresh baked apple pie. Except when they say, well, then why don't you help us make it? Oh, I don't like it that much anymore, do you? No. And you really don't like it when they say, I cook, you clean. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. Some of y'all people are already saying, I'm cooking right now before the wife asks. I'm cooking so I don't have to clean it up. Come on. Some of y'all had children to do that. I know y'all didn't have children because you wanted them. Y'all had them to help you clean up the house. I know what that's all about. Because you know you got to tell them to clean the pots. They got to do it. Come on, somebody. The point to be made, and some of y'all got grandchildren to do it too. Uh, but the point to be made is this. Martha still had to carry on the work even while she was stressed and overwhelmed. It still had to be done. But even God in times of need will provide for us. The Bible says he is a provider of all my needs. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We know God is a God of provision because even one, uh, one of his Hebrew names or one of his biblical names is the God who provides for our needs. And so you often hear it, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He provides whatever we need. But today I want to look, as we talk about missing seats at the table, I want to talk today for a moment about do you know that not only does God prepare a table for us in the presence of enemies, not only does he provide us all the food that we need, the spiritual manna, the spiritual raiment, the uh, raiment of heaven, the spiritual bread of life. We talk about Jesus being the bread of life. Not only does he do that, but can I tell you that even when you don't know it and you don't even see it, God will provide a table of protection for you. He'll shield you and hide you from the ways of the enemy. The Bible says that he who dwells in the secret place can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Bible talks about multiple times. Jesus said, I'd like to gather you in as a mother hen gathers in her brood and hides you under the, the awning or the, the feathering of my wings. What he's saying is, I want to put you under here. And I want a, a hen, when she protects her, her nest, she sits down on it and flails her wings around it so that whatever's trying to steal the eggs can't see the eggs. They only see mama hen roosting on the nest. God says sometimes he wants us to get so close to him that he just puts his angelic arms all around us and we just sit under his presence while he's there and while the enemy might be raging havoc all around us, God's letting the storms of life just go on but we're protected under that shadowing and secret place of the Lord Most High. In fact, I have seen on National Geographic and other things, I have seen at times where animals, where the natural motherly instinct and, and, and 
violent storms and weather. They will literally bring their, even risking their own life, they will bring their young around them and they will literally put their wings around them and burrow down. And the mother hen or the mother duck will literally be pelted with the hail and the rocks and the storms and will be, and may not even survive, but it, it, when the storm lifts and the farmers would go out there, even though mama died underneath it, the eggs were still intact. The babies were still protected. Why? Because she was willing to lay down her life for the protection of her young. And I tell you, over 2,000 years ago, God sent a son by the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, listen, I've got children that are unprotected. They're not, the devil's ready to attack them like he's never, like we've never seen before. But Jesus went to an old rugged cross and he died so that I could hide under the shadow of the cross. I could hide under a, a blood-stained banner and I could just kneel at the foot of a cross. And while the blood's pouring down and the waves of life and the storms of life are pelting the son of God and the devil's throwing all of my sin and all of my shame against his frail and, dis, and his dismembered and, and, and embodied and battered body. The Bible says that they laid his, his frail and his destroyed carcass in a tomb but three days later the spirit, the ruah, the breath of an almighty God breathed life inside a lifeless form and he resurrected. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying God sent his son so that I could have protection from the enemy greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, then who can be against me? When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. God sent his son so that I'm protected from this world. And I have learned that governments, churches, jobs, even on your own family, won't have your best interest like God does. I'm going to tell you right now, governments, not just the United States, governments all around the world, they have their own agendas. They want their way. I wish I could say churches weren't like that, but I've been to quite a few churches. They only want it their way. Come on, somebody. They don't want the freedom and the spirit of the Lord to move. They want to be able to keep their program timed and their light sequence to a certain preset on a button. They want to make sure that at 11.52 and 7 seconds something else happens so that they make sure they stay on schedule. It is programmed. It is mapped out. It is, it is line by line by line by line by line by line by line. And, and every I is dotted. Every T is crossed. Every, everywhere you can think about it. Here's the problem. Where's God in that? I'm not saying you don't operate with a level of decorum and you don't operate with a level of, uh, of, of being in an order. But I am here to say to you that sometimes things are too regimented and things are too structured. I'm not saying you don't have balance, but I'm saying sometimes you got to realize it might be 1202 when God shows up. You wait on the Lord. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. Terry, wait, I say, wait on the Lord. The Bible gives us clear indication of that. And, and I want you to understand that, that in this story that I read to you, it, it all goes back to 1 Samuel 8. It didn't start in 1 Samuel 20 that I read to you. It started in 1 Samuel 18. David had finished his conquest of defeating Goliath and killing giants and destroying Philistines. And he's coming back in 1 Samuel 18. And as he's entering the city, the city of Jerusalem, Saul and all of them are waiting for his arrival, that the people began to Incantant, if you will, or give this, this enchant 
that says this. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And they just didn't say it once. The closer he got to the city square, the louder the echoes began. And what happened is Saul got mad. He got jealous. What he really was saying was, look, I'm the CEO. I'm the face of the franchise. Who, who does this young shepherd boy that came out of nowhere that I found, brought him in here. Yeah, he might be a musical prodigy, but he lives under my house. I sit, let him sit at my table. I feed him my food. I give him my stuff. Who is he to walk in this city and become more important than I am? I'm just going to take a second and just go ahead and get myself in trouble because, you know, I'm good at that. I'm going to go ahead and do it and get it over with. Y'all take me out behind the woodshed later and get mad at me afterwards. What Saul's really saying is, it's about me. He's not, he's not, he would have not been upset if they'd have said David had slain a thousand and saw his tens of thousands. That wouldn't have bothered him. He gave him that satisfaction. It's just when the limelight went off of him onto somebody else, he didn't like that anymore. See, I would like to say that's only in politics. But I hate to tell you, but church people do the same thing. And I also hate to tell you that church is sometimes better politicians than the Republicans and the Democrats. I've been to more conferences and more events where I thought people were running for president of the United States than, and political offices than the people actually running for political offices. I thought to myself, are you trying to be on the state team for this? Are you trying to be the president of the United States? What are you? I told one person one time, I said, are you trying to be the general overseer of the church of God? If, if, if you are, you're talking to the wrong person, buddy, because I can't get you there. More people worried about their status. You know how I know? Because I hear stuff like this. Well, how many did y'all have on church on Sunday? We had 54. Oh, we had 63. Who cares? But you know who asked me? The person who had 63 because they wanted me to know they had more than I had. You know what they're really trying to say? That's great. I had more. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. You know how I know it's not good? When they ask me that and I say, oh, we had 61. And they say, oh, okay. And then they all of a sudden got to go talk to somebody else. They don't want to talk to me no more. You know why? Because the light's now off of them. They don't like that anymore. I have sat at tables and ate dinner and listened to conversations of pastors bash other pastors about like, well, I'm thank God. I, yeah, you know, that church is falling apart over there. And I tell you what, I don't know how anybody can go to that church. They just need to start coming to my church. What? What? See, what happens is we get in these moments where it becomes all about us. Saul is mad. So by second, by 1 Samuel chapter 19, he tries to kill David the first time. And David escapes. And by second, by 1 Samuel chapter 20, David tells Jonathan the following. He said, listen, I'm going to hide out in the field for a couple days. And see if Saul notices I'm missing, missing seats at the table. See if he notices my chair is empty. And let me know what happens. And Jonathan's like, oh, David, my dad's not mad at you. And David said, no, no, this is what we're going to do. And he said, if they came with a pack, Jonathan said, I will do it. If my dad says that basically everything's great, it's cool, it's whatever, I'll send my servant out 
and I'll say, I'll shoot some arrows and I'll tell him which direction they are and I'll tell him, oh, they're just right in front of you. They're just right there in front of you. And that'll let you know you can come home. But if I shoot the arrows and I tell him, they are past you, they are far past you, they're way away, you got to keep going, they're far past When you hear me tell myself that means that my father intends harm for you, you got to keep going and running, get far away from here. Well, the day came, Saul gets all dressed up looking beautiful. Everybody's coming to eat dinner. The mashed potatoes, the green beans, the black-eyed peas, the collard greens, the cornbread dressing, the giblet gravy, the fried turkey all came to the table. And in that culture, if you'll hit preset number four there, Madison, for me on that camera thing because it's going to feed it in better. Nobody sat down till the king sat down. That was the rule. You didn't sit down till the head guest sat down. Saul walked in with his kingly robe. Everybody's standing there waiting. Saul's the head of the table. And Saul stands there. He takes off his outer garment. He kind of hands it to his servant. And he has a servant pull out his own chair for him. And Saul sits down while everybody stands there and watches him. You know what he's doing? It's all about me. You watch me. Watch what I'm doing. And what Solomon, I mean, what Saul was doing was still in his own narcissistic way, you focus on me right now. Once I'm seated and once I get my portion of food first, once I get what I want, then you can sit down. But I'm going to be served first. There's a problem with that mentality. That's not what God says to do. God's mentality is not you look at me. God's mentality is you look at him. God's mentality is seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these righteousnesses will be added unto you. But he goes on to say the first will be and the last will be. Right. So when it's all about me, let me sit down, let me get the best and then y'all can do it after I do it. That, that's the wrong mentality. You know what I learned a long time ago in Leadership 101? I didn't have to go to class for this. First of all, people don't know how much, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's number one. Number two is uh, people are going to have a hard time following somebody they don't think that are willing to be a follower at some point in their life too. I mean, they're not going to follow you if they think you already know it all and, and you're not willing to, to admit when you're wrong and have flaws too. So sometimes it's better to be the last at the table. What did Jesus say? Somebody help me with this scripture for all of you that read your Bible this week, which be about half of us. But uh, that was just a plug for Bible reading. Jesus said, when you come and the master, the master of the house asks you to come to dinner, don't sit at the first chair. He said, you leave the first chair and go sit at the last chair at the table. The last one at the table. So that when the guest of honor shows up, he says, wait, buddy, why are you sitting in the last chair? And you say, oh, well, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't know where everybody was seated. He said, and let him... Say, no, 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 no. You get out of that chair and you come back and sit in this chair. He said, it's better for that to happen than for you to sit in this chair and then him have to tap you on the shoulder and say, you go sit down in that chair. <laughs> See, we're not careful in life. We like to sit in this chair when sometimes God has to tap us on the shoulder and say, you're sitting in the wrong chair, son. Because too many of us like to sit in chair one and put God in chair two, three, four, five, or six. When in reality, everybody else, including myself, should be sitting in chair two through six. God should always be sitting head of the table. Saul sits down at the table. He asks, where's David? First day, he don't say anything. Second day, same thing. He sits down. 
He's waiting. He says, where's David? The son of Jesse. Jonathan says he's on a trip to see his family. That should seem like a reasonable thing. We're at Thanksgiving this time of the year. People traveling, going to see family. That should seem like a plausible reason. So I said, for what? So he's going to sacrifice with his brothers. You would think Saul could be like, oh, well, I hope he has a safe trip. I hope he has a good time. I hope he enjoys his vacation. I hope he comes back. I hope he brings him back a souvenir. I hope he brings back some of that famous bread and cheese that his dad makes that he sent to us when we were fighting the Philistines. That was some good eating. I hope he sends me some of that peanut brittle, Miss Brenda. And, uh, and I hope he, you know, I hope he sends me some of that dear sausage, Brother Mary. And I, I hope that stuff come back to the house. I've already ate that, by the way. Uh, that's just a plug. But uh, it was good, though. Uh, but uh, but and I, he could have said that. That's not what Saul did. The Bible said he became enraged, angry. Why is he not sitting at my table? Basically, I found him. I own him. I made him who he is. And as long as he's out there, son, you'll never be king. You'll never be in control. You'll never sit at the head of this table. The only way to fix this problem is to take him out. That sounds like the enemy, doesn't it? We're living in a society right now where the government's doing everything it can to take the church out because they're a threat to them. Shut them up. If you can't shut them up, shut them down. Come on, somebody. Don't sing in church. Well, they can sing in church. They're going to meet together. Then tell them they can't meet in groups of over 25 or over 50. Shut them down. Hopefully, if we shut them down long enough, when they open back up, they won't come back. Come on, somebody. Preach with me today. If you can't shut them up, then philosophy shut them down. That's what Saul's saying. As long as they're alive, they're going to be a thorn of flesh in us. I can imagine right now the devil, the enemy of our soul, is sitting around somewhere in life right now having conversations just like that, saying as long as the church is alive, it's a threat. Let me shut it down. And he'll use anything he can to make it happen. Saul is enraged. He's angry. He sits at this table. His plate looks all great, but he's not even hungry. He's so mad. You ever, been, you ever met somebody there just so nasty, so angry, so bitter, they don't even want to eat, they don't want to do nothing. The only thing that consumes them is their rage and their anger. They're so mad, they can't stand it. I'm going to tell you right now, if you had not met it, go have a vaccine talk with somebody. Oh, I'm preaching now, better than you're shouting. Y'all decided to go, y'all decided not to be Pentecostal. Y'all nominal church now, aren't you? Now I'm preaching. I told you this wouldn't be a sermon like y'all had never seen before. I'm sitting at the table. I might as well just go ahead and be like my Kermit the Frog. Go ahead and drink my coffee right here while I'm talking. Go ahead and have my sweet tea because somebody didn't like what I just said. You don't believe it? Go try to have a conversation with somebody about a vaccine. It will consume them. I have them in my own family. You know, I've got people in my own family won't come to my Thanksgiving, won't come to my house for Thanksgiving because uh, certain people in my family are not vaccinated. They said until they decide to comply, they won't show up at my house. My own family. Think about that. We're not, Brother Gil, I'm not talking about somebody in North Carolina. I'm not talking about somebody in California I've never met. I'm talking about my own aunts and uncles, y'all. I never said, I've always said it should be your choice. I don't care if you get it or not. That's up to you. I never said they couldn't come. But because they don't like somebody else's decision, they can't even sit at a table. I'm preaching, y'all. Y'all know I'm preaching better than we shouting today. They can't even sit and eat turkey with somebody because they're that mad. Because somebody didn't get a shot. Hello. And you don't think the enemy is about all about division and divisiveness and destroying the people of God and the family of God. And some of those same people in my family are, are, are and they're, they say, and I believe them, 
they are Christians. And I'm not here to judge us between them and the Lord, but he's driving a wedge not only spiritually in the family, he's physically driving wedges in families. Can't even sit down and eat turkey. I mean, I know it's kind of hard to eat a turkey through a mask, but my Lord, you can at least sit down and eat with us. Then run out the back door, but don't leave. Saul is so mad. You got to remember David. David has fought lions. He's fought bears. Giant slayers. And yet he sits at a table with the spread before him. He's had javelins thrown at him while playing the songs of Zion. And yet in all of that, he leaves to go away because he's afraid of his own life. And Saul becomes so consumed with destruction. Saul, uh, Saul basically says, until we kill him, I'm not going to be satisfied. I want him dead. There are some people walking in the world right now. Well, until you get a vaccine. Until you comply to their standards. Until you go to their church. Until you follow their order, their precepts, the way they do church. They will be consumed with destroying you, talking about you, talking behind your back. There's, and I'm not talking about vaccines. I'm talking about even in church where there are so many people that go to church that are so mad and so angry and so bad they can't even talk to one another, sitting across the aisle from one another because whether it's the vaccine or the mass mandates, whatever, it's affected the body of Christ. Sometimes it ain't even got to do with that. They're just so mad about something that happened to them 35 years ago they can't let go of. They've got spiritual hemorrhoids they still hadn't got cream for to get rid of. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what a hemorrhoid is. It's a pain and you know what. And some people have been a pain, and you know what, in church for so long. They've been a pain in the rear to the preacher. They've been a pain in the rear to the church. They've been a pain in the rear to the Lord. Because they cannot let go of something that happened 35 years ago and get some spiritual preparation H cream, salve that thing, get it fixed, and get it under the blood at the cross of Calvary, come to an altar of repentance and say, God, I might have messed up some things, I might have screwed up some things, and put that mess under the blood so that we as the family of God can sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb together, my brother and my sister, my family, because there are some people, they're going to have a hard time sitting at the banquet table of heaven when they can't even sit across the aisle at church with one another. Bible said there's going to be a banquet table spread one day. The marriage supper of the Lamb. How are we going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb with one another? We can't even sit across the aisle from one another. I'm on somebody. David was sitting there. David was in the field. Saul gets mad. Proverbs 2 and 2, verse 8 through 11 says, For God will guard the course of the just. He protects the way of the faithful. Then you will understand what is right, fair, and just, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. See, we can be thankful that we serve of God that will hide us, protect us from trouble, love us even when we are wrong, will forgive us, will not forsake the faithful ones, will be a preserver of life, not let us to be surrendered to the schemes of the enemy. Psalms 1 and 6, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Psalms 145 and 20, the Lord watches over all of them who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. Proverbs 15 and 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch over the wicked 
and the good. Can I tell you this morning or this afternoon, Jesus knows every trick of the enemy. He knows every vice of the enemy. He knows every scheme of the enemy. He knows every trap of the enemy. He knows every danger that I'm in. And it is imperative that we as the body of Christ are self-controlled and vigilant and alert and on guard and put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our shoes shod with the gospel of peace. Put on the belt of truth. Gird up, gird up with, the, with the sword of the spirit carry out the shield of faith so that when the devil comes in and we know we're going to be attacked we can realize that there are missing seats at the table but when the devil walks in wanting to know well, where is the pastor at why is he not sitting in my table of sin and when he comes in and says why isn't Randy Erchberger sitting in my table of depression why isn't Brenda Burridge sitting at my table of frustration why isn't Brenda Frierson or, or Brother Barnes sitting at my table of pain and suffering why is it brother so and so sitting at my table of hurt why is my sister not sitting at the table of broken families why is my brother not sitting at the table of bitterness because God sent us out into a field and he sat down at the table instead and heard the scheme and the vices and the plan of the enemy so that he could protect us out there the Bible said Jonathan got up from the table he pushed his chair back he walked out Mad, but you know who didn't die? David. Because Jonathan went out there, shot the bow and arrow and said, it's the arrows are far past you. And the Bible said David took off running. I come by to remind somebody this morning before we pray and we get ready to leave this place. The devil wants some of y'all to sit at the table of depression. He wants some of y'all to sit at the table of frustration. He wants some people to sit at the table of divorced and broken families. He wants some people to sit at the table of under the influence of alcohol. He wants some people to sit at the table of drugs, addiction. He wants some people to sit at the table of oppression. He he wants some people to sit at a table of bitterness. He wants some people to sit at a table of anger. He wants some people to sit at a table of church hurt. He wants some people to sit at a table of giving up on God. He wants some people to sit on the table of not believing there's any hope left. But I come by to remind you that my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Every chair that the devil has for my life, I want somebody to know there might be times in your life and you may not understand it but I want you to know there can be missing seats at the table of the enemy because God will spread a table before me in the presence of my enemies and when he spreads that table I don't have to sit at the table of hurt I don't have to sit at the table of divorce I don't have to sit at the table of frustration I don't have to sit at the table of anger I can remove myself from that table I can go hide myself in a field with God and the devil can plan his party all he wants to but God will protect me at that table so here's my question to you today Miss Carol make your way I can already see everybody's got Gilligan faces and I'm not talking about the ones from I'm not talking about the ones from uh, the SSS the USS Minnow that they on Castaway Island I'm talking about the seafood one I know y'all getting excited. Y'all looked at the table. Y'all thought I was about to bring out some food and sit on here, didn't you? I know what y'all thinking. Y'all thought somebody's in the back about to bring out some roasted turkey out here. Well, that's all well and good. I didn't do that. The only thing I got left is two Krispy Kreme donuts in the back. And I'm not sure I'm sharing those yet. 
you listen to this pastor very carefully and I'm going to do this quickly because I'm not going to hold you long this table will be here Tuesday night too some of y'all been sitting at the enemy's table far too long it's time for you to excuse yourself from the table of the enemy and let God sit down instead and find out what the enemy's scheming on your behalf missing seats at the table See, some people have been sitting at the table with the enemy. David had for months been sitting at the table with the man trying to kill him. You will prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. There's some people this morning, you're sitting at the table of hurt. Some people this morning online or in-house may be sitting at the table of needing a miracle, physical pain, physical sickness. Something is wrong you need a healing. You, you're, you need a touch from the Lord. And you've been sitting at the table of infirmity too long. The devil's tried to make you think there ain't, there ain't no medicine. There's no doctor. There's no nothing going to keep you safe. You're going to just be sick forever, seems like. That's because you've been sitting. You don't mean to, but the devil sat down at that table with you far too long. There's some people walking in this world. They've been sitting at the table with the government far too long. Come on, somebody. Some people have been drinking so much Kool-Aid, they've been ready to be the Jim Crow's of the world. They're just drinking Kool-Aid left and right. They've been sitting, they've been, everything CNN, Fox News, MSNBC says, they think that's just as good as God. They are lost their mind. I'm going to tell you right now, God's not the author of fear, so obviously that can't be God because they won't fear. God says, my God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That's kind of an oxymoron there, church. But some people have been sitting in the seat of dependent on governments and everything else but God too long. Some people have been sitting at the table of hurt. My mama hurt me. My daddy hurt me. My ex-husband hurt me. My ex-wife hurt me. My children hurt me. My grandchildren hurt me. I'm angry with my kids. I'm angry with my spouse. I'm angry with... I'm hurt. Pastor, you don't understand, I deserve that right to be hurt. You might do, but the enemy will use that to take you out if you ain't careful. He'll use that to destroy you. He'll do whatever he's got to do to, to kill you. Some people have been sitting at the table of oppression and depression too long. Some people have allowed the enemy to play mind games with them long, far too long. The Bible said, God did not give me the mindset to live in fear like that. The Bible said, therefore, be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mindset. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto the Lord. This is your reasonable act of service. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul goes on in a later part of the Bible and says this. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Some people have been sitting at the table too long of letting the, the devil play mind games with them whether it's vaccines, mandates, whatever. but some people have been sitting at the table too long listening to the devil tell them there's no hope, there's no plan, there's no way out, you, you just, you're hopeless, you got nothing to look forward to. Some people are still sitting at the tables of church hurts and the devil's wreaking havoc with that. Oh, you're going to go to another church? You think that church is going to be better than the other? Let me help you with something. I can't promise you that, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be frank with you. I can't promise you I'll never hurt your feelings. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that somebody else in this church won't ever hurt your feelings. Now, I can't tell you what they'll do, but I can promise you if I hurt your feelings, I'm man enough to say I'm sorry. I am man enough to do that. But I also know, Sister Beulah, that I'm human. I mess up. 
So I can't tell somebody when we walk in this church, well, I just came from a bad church. Sure, you promised me I won't have that happen here. I can't promise you that, but I can promise you something. I will cry with you in an office and tell you I'm sorry. And I will tell you God's able to bend up, excuse me, blend the relationship and, and mend it back together. I'll, I'll sit there and tell you God can fix it, but I, I can't promise you you won't get hurt but I can, because we're human nature. We're flawed creatures. We mess up, but I can promise you God never fails. God never messes up. Some people have been sitting at tables too long with their enemies. You say, well, Pastor, you, I don't have an enemy. I ain't talking about your son-in-laws. I ain't talking about them. Some of y'all just felt the Lord convict your heart right then. I heard that. I ain't talking about your daughter-in-laws. That's the other half of y'all that felt conviction right then. I'm not even talking about your spouse. And all the church should have said amen right then. I'm talking about things that sometimes you don't see. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darknesses and things in heavenly places, spiritual wickedness and heavenly things you can't see. I'm not talking about physically somebody sitting at your dinner table on Thursday night. I'm talking about hurt, divorces, church hurts, depressions, drugs, alcohol, families who haven't even spoke together in years, that don't communicate, people who have lost their first love of God and have not come back to church or have come back to the fold. I'm talking about enemies, the silent ones, some that we don't even recognize. A lot of people are sitting at those tables and, wait, and not even realizing the enemy's plotting a scheme to kill them. Now, while I pray that all of us will sometimes be missing seats at this table, you know what I'm afraid of? That while all of those people are sitting at that table, they're going to miss out on sitting at another table and they're going to have a missing seat at the wrong table. They need to have a missing seat in the world's table. They need to have a missing seat at this table of sin, the table of oppression, the table of whatever. They just need to make sure they have a reserved seat at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Some people, if they're not careful, is going to find themselves sitting at the wrong table and their missing seat's going to be detrimental for eternity. You better make sure that your, missing, your seat missing is here and your seat is reserved over there. You better make sure that instead of worrying about whether Ruth Chris or Hall's Chop House has your name for Thursday night on their books, you better make sure the Lamb of God has your name on His books so when your time comes and you walk up to the pearly gates and Simon Peter is standing there to the Heaven's Cafe and he says yes and you say, Vaughn, party of one. He looks down and says, oh Jonathan, we've been waiting. Jesus has already got a table set for you. He's already pulled out the chair. Come on this way. The guest of the house, the master of the house has already built your mansion and I can pull up my chair and Gabriel will blow a trumpet and I'll just sit down beside my Jesus. The old song says, I'll sit down and rest a little while. You better make sure you have reservations at that table and not miss it for this table. So here's what I'm asking you with their head bowed and eyes closed. Anybody under the sound of my voice says, Pastor, This message was for me today. I needed to hear this. You don't have to tell me what part of it was. I'm not asking you to divulge information. But you just would simply say, this message was for me today. Will you pray for me? You don't even have to tell me the issue. Just say, will you pray for me? I want you to slip your hand up all over this house. No one's looking around with me. Jesus, hi, hi, come on. There's one, two, three, four. Come on, any of us? Five, six. Come on, thank you. Seven. Amen. Eight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Here's what I want us to do.
You can look up now. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand all over this house. We'll do this very quickly and efficiently. And then we'll sing our benedictory prayer. And then we'll have our prayer of bened- our proclamation and our prayer of consecration. And we'll be out of here. You don't know who raised their hands. You don't need to know who raised their hands. God knows who wants to reserve their table. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you pray? You don't have to know their names, but could you, will you just help me pray for the ones who did raise their hands so that they're not praying alone today? Can we do that? Can we pray together so they're not alone? Heavenly Father, there are many women who raised their hands all over this house today saying they want to make sure that this message was for them, that they're not missing their seat at the wrong table. But they're sitting at the right table this year. So Father, I pray that you would touch them in their spirit, their mind, their heart, their soul. You would help them to experience the presence of an almighty God. Father, I'm asking today, God, that those that raise their hands, God, you would honor the hands that were lifted all over this house. And speak to their hearts today. Father, as we get ready to disembark from this place, let this message resonate with us and not leave us hopeless today. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. If your head bows still in a matter of reverence and your eyes close, we're going to sing this as our prayer of benediction to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give. Can we just make it a clap? So be it, Lord. together Psalms 19 and 14 let the words of my mouth meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord my strength my redeemer let me say this to you today I would like for those that can to come obviously back to church tonight obviously I would love for you to come on Tuesday night for our communion service our service of thanksgiving unto the Lord it'll be a very special service a unique service different than anything we've done but I believe God can be honored and glorified through it. But if I don't see you on tonight or Tuesday night, let me be the first, those online and in-house, to say I wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, I pray Godspeed to you. Safe traveling mercies. I pray that you return safely. Bring back leftovers or a souvenir if you're going somewhere cool. I take cash, credit, donations. I have Venmo. I have Cash App. Uh, I also have a belly. Any way you want to feed, that'll work. I can do it all. But no, all joking aside, I'm praying for you. And just know, just in case you're wondering, that if I can make it till Thursday, I will let the fat man have his day come Thursday night. He can put up his trees, and he can put his presents out, and he can string his lights. 
But that little fat man needs to wait till Thursday because I'm eating turkey first. Then he can have his day. But he got to give me a few more days. Now, I know some of y'all have already been listening to Christmas music. Some of y'all have been texting me your 7,582 volume collection of Hallmark movies you've already got. I'm not watching anything till Thursday night. Well, I'm actually going to watch football Thursday. So Friday is the best chance you've got. So after that, I'll be excited just as you for Christmas. I'll be the happiest guy in the world. It'll be a most wonderful time of the year, joyous time of the year. But until Thursday, I'm Ebenezer Scrooge, ball humbug. Don't call me about that. I'm still a Grinch, okay? But I do pray you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. But when you go to do whatever your Thanksgiving is this week, will you please make sure whether you come Tuesday night or tonight, if I don't see you, will you please make sure at some point you tell God thank you. Just tell God. Even if it's for 30 seconds, just tell God thank you. Don't let it be all about all the other stuff and leave him out. Let him be a part of the day, okay? I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erickson to pray our benedictory prayer. And immediately following that, you're free to be dismissed. God bless you. I hope you all have a great week. Brother Randy.